Hello, and welcome to the Queen's Observatory Fast Radio Bursts. I am Connor Stone, here with my co-host, Nikhil Aurora. It is our mission to bring exciting space news hot off the telescope and into your ears. One way or another, the Queen's Observatory has continued its practice of sharing the wonders of the universe since 1857. Thank you for joining us in this long-running tradition. Here at Fast Radio Bursts, we will answer your questions, interview astronomers, and dive deep into breaking research. From low Earth orbit to the clouds of Venus, from Betelgeuse to colliding black holes, it's a big universe to talk about, so let's get started. And welcome back. I'm Connor Stone, here with Nikhil Aurora. Hi, Connor. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Getting very excited for the Perseverance rover landing. Absolutely. Um, in real time, when we're recording this, it's 19 days, 2 hours, 56 minutes, and 15 seconds. So we have it down to a second as to when this thing is going to record. Land. All right. For those who don't want to do the quick math in their head, the landing is going to be on February 18th, and the Queen's Observatory is going to be running a live stream landing party, so make sure to check out that event on Facebook. And also, the podcast series that we're doing right now is about the Perseverance landing. So this episode is episode three of our Ultra Fast Radio Bursts series. In the last episode, we talked about the Spirit, Opportunity, and Curiosity rovers, some of the most modern rovers that we've ever sent to Mars. And before that, we talked about Mars just in general. Why, why is it interesting and what sort of history made us want to focus on Mars as a planet that might potentially hold life today or maybe have held life in the past? Today is going to be all about the Perseverance rover. So we are hoping to make everyone listening an expert in the rover just before the landing. And uh, our next series, now that this is the closing of this series, our next series is going to cover some future space missions, which are all very exciting. But for today, we're going to talk about a specific future mission, the Perseverance rover. Nick, how about you lead us off by giving us a quick description of the Perseverance rover? Absolutely. So the Perseverance rover is fourth in Mars exploration series by NASA. It was launched on July 30th in 2020, so last year, um, at, at 4.50 a.m. It's scheduled to land on Mars on February 18, 2021, at around 3.30 <clears throat> Eastern time. At this point in time, when we're recording this, the the mission Perseverance has made its way through ninety two percent of its journey, ninety two point four one to be precise. It has traveled over two hundred and seventy million miles, um, and is currently traveling at around forty nine thousand miles per hour. Um, the reason why I'm being so precise is to sort of give an idea of how accurate these calculations and understandings need to be for things to go as planned. Perseverance is, as I said, the most up-to-date um, mission to Mars. It is a, it weighs about nine, no, it weighs about a thousand kilograms and is about nine feet wide. That is some of the basic details about Percy. 
And I hear, Connor, you have something interesting for us about the naming of Perseverance. Okay, so the name Perseverance, not Percy, um, Perseverance was decided based off of a uh, competition with thousands of entrants from schools all across the United States. And the ultimate winner was Alexander Mather. He was a 13-year-old student from Virginia. And I, I think he had a pretty incredible quote for his suggestion, which, I, which I'm going to read out. Curiosity, insight, spirit, and opportunity. If you think about it, all of these names of past Mars rovers are qualities we possess as humans. But if rovers are to be the qualities of us as a race, we miss the most important thing, perseverance. I think that's a pretty great quote. And in 2020, certainly applied more than <laughs> we, might, we might have expected. Yep, so absolutely. so um, I, I think it's a pretty great name, Perseverance. And I, I think it's really cool how NASA got their whole country involved in naming this rover. Yeah, that, that's, it's pretty cool for sure. And it's, it's a great quote. It definitely hits you in, when, when you hear the quote, for sure. All right, so let's talk about Percy. Yes, let's, let's dive in. How about you tell us a little bit about um, the landing for Perseverance? Right. Yeah, absolutely, Connor. So the way I have this episode programmed in my mind is sort of to go in-depth, detailed uh, description of what's going to happen during the landing, about 16, 16 minutes before Perseverance touches the ground. That's going to be the first part of the episode. We're going to take a break. And then we're going to sort of dive into some of the basic science that Perseverance is going to do, both of them being exciting. Um, so, yeah, let's just go through it. Um, yeah, so we're going to go straight to February 18th, around 3.38 p.m., which is about 16 minutes from a, from the landing time. Um, what, what's happening around this time is that Perseverance is currently in its cruise stage, which means that it's actually traveling towards Mars and using a, essentially a spacecraft which has solar panels in the back. It's being powered to move towards Mars. Uh, 16 minutes before the landing, it's going to separate itself from that cruise stage and become a spacecraft that's going to start moving towards Mars. Um, just 30 seconds after, what it's going to do is it's going to sort of employ some of its thrusters, um, some of its engines to actually stop the spinning. So during the cruise space, the spacecraft itself is spinning at around two rounds per minute, very slowly, but it's doing that to keep moving forward. And these thrusters and engines are going to stop that spinning and sort of realign perseverance to be <clears throat> just in the optimal um, angle and attitude for entry into the Martian atmosphere. Around this time, so once again, it's about 15 and a half minutes to landing. It's traveling at around 17 kilometers, 17,000 kilometers an hour. Um, 10 minutes right before landing, what it's going to do is it's going to do a little bit more of alignment by actually expelling 70 kilograms from it. Um, this will allow it to actually deal with the drag forces optimally. Uh, with the Martian atmosphere. It has still not entered the Martian atmosphere, and we're about 14, uh, 14 minutes and 15 sec 50 seconds from the touchdown, um, and the velocity of the spacecraft continues to increase. Eight minutes later, so now we've made it 
to 6 minutes and 47 seconds to touchdown, this is when the spacecraft actually enters um, the Martian atmosphere and it begins to drastically slow down and heat up. Right at the point of entry, the velocity of the spacecraft is going to be around 19,000 kilometers per second. So that is fast. It's moving really fast and it's essentially going to hit a wall of gas. 19,000 kilometers per hour, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have. Yes, that is fast. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're, uh, we were about six minutes and 47 seconds to touchdown. It's going to try to it's going to keep entering the atmosphere for the next a minute and a half. And it's going to keep firing thrusters and engines to keep aligning itself. Um, and change its directions and angles. And that's because once it's entering into the atmosphere of Mars, it's actually coming across air bubbles that will keep knocking it off from its course. And so these engines and thrusters actually allow it to just keep the planned and scheduled route for landing. That's going to happen for another two minutes. And now we're at about three minutes to touchdown, which is where <laughs> it is going to execute a particular... Um, maneuver. The maneuver is called straighten up and fly right, um, where it's going to change its alignment. Uh, it's also called a suffer maneuver uh, for, for an exact reason, which is that it's actually a very hard maneuver to perform. Um, it's going to align itself parallel to the surface of Mars um, by once again ejecting six more balanced masses, just extra weight that it was carrying. Um, and it will be aligned, hopefully. And then it's going to begin to actually just descend into Mars. At this point, the velocity from 19,000 kilometers an hour has come down to just 1,600 kilometers an hour. And still kind of fast. <laughs> it is still kind of fast. And that, that has happened in just over three and a half minutes. Um, 15 seconds later, once it's performed the suffer maneuver, the parachutes get triggered. Um, and once again, once the parachute gets triggered, it actually slows down even more. And it starts to sort of now throw away some of the extra stuff that was pr protecting it in space. One of the things being the heat shield, which was protecting it from the sun and other galactic um, high energy things. And so two minutes and 24 seconds before landing. It's about nine and a half kilometers above the surface, which is when the rover is actually exposed to the Martian surface. And this is when the instruments and the camera are supposed to turn on and start taking pictures. And Connor, you're going to like this. And that's because I know you like machine learning so much. Why? The reason why it's taking pictures uh, is that it's going to keep taking pictures for about a minute. And at around a minute and 18 seconds to landing or to touchdown, it's going to perform a final course correction. And the way it's going to do that is that there's a computer already on Perseverance, which has images of where it's supposed to land. And as I said before, it's already taking data using camera. It's going to compare those images that it just took with previous images of Mars to make sure they match up. And if they don't, it's going to sort of correct itself to, to, to a position which makes sure it lands on the desired place. That's pretty bold of them to use <laughs> machine learning on such a <laughs> critical maneuver. Yep, so that's what it's uh, going to do. My machine learning algorithms have not been that stable, but <laughs> I'm uh, sure yeah. that they've tested this and quite a this, lot. Yeah, all of this is only going to take 18 seconds. 
and that's fast. Um, we're now about a minute to land. The parachute and the back shell will remove itself. And now the rover is by itself alone, attached to what is called a descent unit, which has an engine. And the engine actually fires itself. So this is how Curiosity landed it as well. The engine actually fires itself and sort of fights against the, uh, the free fall and starts to free fly on the Martian, in the Martian atmosphere. And this is done to actually just reduce the velocities both in horizontal and the vertical direction and stabilize the lander. Uh, this will take about 30 to 40 seconds. At around 18 seconds, the rover is supposed to be 21 meters above the surface of the, the surface of Mars. Half of the engines turn off because at this point, hopefully the velocities have stabilized and the rover is ready to be released. 15 seconds to landing, we're reaching there. The rover actually starts to descend using cables that are about 20 feet, over 20 feet. Um, and this, while it's actually descending, it unlocks itself and starts to deploy its wheels so that it can start to move. As soon, this will take about 15 seconds, as soon as it detects touchdown, so there are sensors on the wheels of the rover, as soon as they detect the ground, it's supposed to cut the cable off. And that will allow the uh, descent module to actually just keep flying for a while and then just fly away at exactly 45 degree angle so that it doesn't hit the rover, use up all the fuel that is left and then crash onto the Martian surface. Um, yes, so we have now touched down on Mars. It'll take five seconds to figure things out, turn it, it, itself on and it'll begin operations. Well, that's going to be a, <laughs> a white knuckle 16 minutes. <laughs> Yep, while I was reading about this, I was getting nervous. So yes, you can imagine, this is going to be a lot of hurdles for Chrissy to cross over. I can only imagine how terrified all the engineers will be <laughs> yep. watching. Of course, everything is delayed yeah. on Mars because it takes light a certain amount of time. So we're only going to be getting signals after everything has happened. There's nothing that the engineers can do to fix this. Percy is Percy is on its own to to do all of these decisions, which I guess is why they've included that machine learning. <laughs> yep. So uh, with that, I think we'll we'll go to our first break. And now that we've understood how Percy will get to Mars, we can talk about what it will do once it's there. Hello. I am just stopping by to let you know that the Queen's Observatory is always here to answer your space questions. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube by searching for Queen's Observatory and looking for our logo. There will also be links to all of our online channels in the podcast description. We're always happy to talk about the universe, and if you ask a really big question, we just might have to do a podcast about it. Also, don't forget the McDonald Institute, the Royal Astronomical Society, and the Astronomy on Tap programs are all very enthusiastic about bringing the universe down to Earth. Links to these online programs will be available in the podcast description. And with that, let's get back to Mars. Okay, so we've taken a minute to catch our breath after the exciting landing. And now we can go on to some of the exciting science that Percy will be able to do. Yeah, so provided Nick, a I, successful landing, for sure. Provided a successful landing. It's yeah. 
there's certainly a lot of things that can go wrong in a short period of time. <laughs> but if all goes well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what instruments Perseverance has in store for us? Absolutely, Connor. Um, yeah, Perseverance has... It's, it's supposed to do a lot of serious science and a lot of excitement, exciting science. Um, it's supposed to basically, as, as we mentioned in the three previous questions, no, sorry, previous podcast, um, it's supposed to answer four questions. Was there ever life on Mars? If so, can we actually um, detect it and understand it, understand the geology and the climate of Mars and study it to prepare it for human exploration? And I think Perseverance, or Percy, um, is focusing on the first and the last part quite a bit. So it's going to study if there was life on Mars. Was Mars ever warm? Was it ever wet? Was it ever hospitable? And also do quite a few experiments to study whether we can actually bring people onto Mars. So the way NASA has dubbed it is Perseverance is the first ever astrobiologically focused mission to Mars. Um, the way I'm going to split it is the first few instruments I'm going to talk about sort of the astrobiology that Mars uh, Perseverance will study on Mars and then move on to some of the instruments that it has to study or prepare for human exploration on Mars. Um, so it has a camera which will allow it to actually study compositions of soil and rocks and geology on Mars. This is important not only to study the geology on Mars, but actually to basically understand where Perseverance is going. So this camera, which is called MASTCAM-Z, um, is essentially Perseverance's eyes. Um, it has sensors attached to it, which will study wind patterns, dust content, dust shape and size, um, temperature on Mars. This is to understand the climate of Mars, but also sort of thrown into it is basically how humans might react to Mars as well. I'd like to pick out one quick thing that you said, study the dust shape on Mars. Yes. And that's actually really important. When humans went to the moon, something that ended up being a, quite a challenge was the shape of the dust on the moon. Because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere or any sort of weather, all of the dust grains are actually really sharp shards of broken rocks. Yeah. Whereas on Earth, our, our dust, our sand is rounded. Right. And so those sharp, tiny little rocks caused a lot of problems for the Apollo missions on the moon. And understanding what it's like on Mars, where you're sort of halfway in between, where you've got an atmosphere, you have wind, but it's such a faint atmosphere, it might not be able to round out those rocks as much as we see. Yeah. here on Earth, that dust could end up being a pretty significant impediment to human exploration on Mars. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Connor, for that. Um, yes, so moving forward, we talked about the dust um, radar sense, sorry, the dust sensors that it has. It also has a radar imager, which is supposed to penetrate the ground and provide about centimeter resolution. So it's supposed to study the ground on the order of some centimeters to basically get an idea of the geological history of the subsurface of Mars, so basically below the topsoil. Um, and another thing that it has, which is called a supercam, which I quite like the name as of, is once again a camera, which is supposed to study organic compounds in rocks. Um, 
but only from a distance. So it's supposed to take images and basically um, study those images of rocks and soils to detect, try and detect um, organic compounds. That's why it's called SuperCam. So these are some of um, the instruments that are going to sort of study the astrobiology on Mars. And before we get on to the next set of instruments that are going to sort of lay the groundwork for human exploration, we should basically talk about where uh, Percy's landing, because that sort of plays into why these astrobiologically focused um, instruments were put on Percy. Does that make sense to you, Connor? Yeah, that makes that makes sense. <laughs> right. So where did Percy land? So Percy, well, it is going to land. It has not landed yet, fingers crossed. Percy is going to land in a place called the Jarezo, sorry, the Jezero crater. Um, it's another crater on Mars. Um, and the reason why it's important is because orbiters have actually studied it from high above and actually found signs and evidence of ancient deltas that might have flooded, been flooded with water. Um, and also studying these deltas and the soil composition, once again, from far away, they have found many kind of clay soils and mineral soils, which once again might indicate uh, life. Now, the kind of carbonates and the minerals that have been studied from up there are very important because they might not only indicate life, but they actually record ancient history within them. So if you're able to study those minerals and carbonates, you, you get a basic idea of what kind of life lived on Mars or what kind of climate there was to form um, such carbonates and minerals. And so this is what makes the crater a very, very important place for landing. Um, so you get an idea of what kind of water flow speeds there were, um, whether microbial life was there or not, and what kind of a climate did that microbial life live in. And this really shows the sort of step-by-step -step nature of our Mars exploration. Each past mission has informed the next one. Yeah. And so our past missions that have studied a lot of detail about Mars have picked an excellent location for Perseverance, which is the new best rover that we've sent out. It's got its best chance of making incredible discoveries where it's landing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So at this point of time, we've found some evidence, indirect evidence, might I say, of maybe there being past life on Mars. But, and, but we don't know for sure. But if there was past life on Mars, definitely. Basically, the way we have built Perseverance off on the shoulders of uh, Spirit, Opportunity, and Curiosity, it definitely has the right tools to look for it. All right. So now we've covered some of the uh, astrobiology that Percy is going to do. One of the other main focuses of Perseverance is how to get humans to live on Mars. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what it what experiments Percy is bringing that are going to tell us a lot about what we can do on Mars. Absolutely. So this um, human exploration to Mars for Perseverance has been split into two <clears throat> categories. Um, one of the categories is that Percy will study Martian atmosphere, how the sun behaves on Mars, and how we can actually figure out things like generate oxygen on Mars, because there's no oxygen on Mars at the time. But the second thing that Perseverance has is a set of essentially empty tubes within it to 
collect samples, which can later on, because we're, we're still quite a, far, quite a bit away from sending humans to Mars, but these tubes will, can collect samples, which can, on a later date, be brought back to Earth for a deeper, deeper study, um, because we have all the equipments in the world that we need over here. So this is very as impressive as Perseverance is. <laughs> it doesn't have every experiment on board. Exactly. So packaging away a little bit of Martian rocks for exploration here on Earth—that's really interesting. Absolutely. So uh, Perseverance, while traveling to Mars, has about thirty-eight empty tubes attached to it, and the way the exploration has been planned, it's supposed to collect about thirty different samples of Martian soils and rocks for hopefully later study, uh, for sure. Um, this is almost like the recent Chang'e um, lunar mission to Mars, uh, to Moon, lunar mission to Moon, uh, which was done by China, which brought back about two kilograms of um, lunar material for study on Earth. So yeah, it, even though we can send things out in space, specifically to planets, um, as you said, being able to do it over here would be a better thing. All right, finally, how is Percy going to really prepare um, or study human arrival to Mars? Well, the biggest thing that it has is sort of it's going to do experiments to generate oxygen on Mars in non-organic ways, if I can say that. Inorganic ways? Non-organic? Which one? Inorganic. Inorganic. Yeah, inorganic ways. So it's going to try and sort of demonstrate that you can just use propellants and other kinds of consumable products on Mars to generate oxygen so that humans can actually use it and breathe it um, and actually survive on Mars. Um, another thing that it's going to do is, <clears throat> once again, we've, we've talked about dust quite deeply in this podcast. Um, it's going to try and characterize how would dust size and its shape actually affect um, how you operate as a human being, all both biologically and and also just the day-to-day workout, so mechanically as well. Finally, Percy, and I think this I find this the most exciting thing, Percy is carrying with itself about 30 pieces, uh, small pieces of, not 30, but small pieces of different kinds of spacesuit materials, which it's going to expose to Mars and study how they behave and change um, when exposed to harsh Martian environment. What this is going to do is this is going to allow us to come up with the optimal spacesuit for human beings to wear while they are on Mars. So for this, it has a specific kind of spectrometer. We talked about spectrometers in the last episode. It's called a Raman spectrometer, just a fancy, more accurate spectrometer that is there. It's called Sherlock, the instrument. Um, The Sherlock instrument is going to essentially test um, exposure of various different kinds of spacesuit materials to Martian environments and see which one performs the best. Yeah. So that, that's kind of an overview of what scientific missions Percy is going to um, carry out over its lifetime. So maybe just to summarize, because I know we've talked quite a bit about it, um, it's going to study rock uh, history, uh, ancient geography, and astrobiology in the crater that it lands. But along with that, it's going to try and perform some experiments to clearly lay out um, some aspects of human exploration, such as oxygen generation and consumption, the kind of material needed uh, as clothing uh, on the Martian surface. I think it's exciting to see NASA get really serious about 
what sorts yeah. of technologies we need to live on the surface of Mars. Yeah. Curiosity was curiosity was clearly important. It brought a lot of information about radiation. Yeah, it on is Mars. still working. So it's still collecting data. Yeah. And um, that information is is really useful, but we knew that there was going to be a lot of radiation on Mars. These technologies that Percy is testing out are probably going to be central to living on Mars, to humans living on Mars. So it's really exciting to see the sort of pace kicking up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this is all very exciting, I must say. I have looked into some of the future missions as well going on to Mars, um, both, both from NASA and from European and Russian uh, space federations and agencies, respectively. And all of these are really now putting a considerable effort on understanding sort of the organics and um, impact on organics on using the Martian atmosphere, for sure. All right. And with that, I think we're going to close off our last episode of our first multi-part series where we've done a big deep dive into the Perseverance rover, the history that sort of led up to it and why it's able to do what incredible science it's planning to do. Mm -hmm. We hope to see you on February 18th at our live stream landing party. Right. And with that, we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Queen's Observatory's Fast Radio Birth. We hope you enjoyed this walk through the universe. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us via email at queensuobservatory at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as the Queen's University Observatory to stay up to date. If you like this podcast, you can help us by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. This will help us become more visible and spread the wonders of the universe to more people. That is all from us. We'll be back again with another exciting topic in astronomy.